You've now locked into Living Blessed, the podcast, where we're talking the highs, the lows, the darkest moments that we've all hidden from the world, and everything in between. This is the moment of truth. This is why we're living blessed. And now, your host, Jovan J. Palmer. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Living Blessed, the podcast. I'm your host, Jovan J. Palmer. And as always, we have amazing people on the podcast sharing transparent and vulnerable moments. I have Miss Amanda on today's episode. How are you, Amanda? I'm good. How are you, Jovan? I am amazing now that you're here. Thanks. I'm glad to have you. <laughs> Same. Introduce yourself. Let people know who you are, what you do. Sure. Um, I'm Amanda. I'm from Michigan. I'm a plant medicine practitioner, and I'm also a digital marketer, really just a serial entrepreneur. Word. Plant. So what you say? You're a plant medicine, medicine practitioner. practitioner. How did you get into plant medicine? So um, I don't know how I originally heard about plant medicine, and the term is like earth medicines or plant medicines, fungi, animal medicine. Um, but 2017, I was living in Los Angeles and I was in a relationship and I didn't like how I was being in mm-hmm. the relationship. And I was like, I see some things that I really need to fix and work on and kind of heal in order for me to move forward. So I got out of the relationship and someone told me about an ayahuasca ceremony that was coming up in a few weeks in California. And I lived in California. Uh, And this is pretty rare at the time. At least it was rare to my consciousness because they're not legal yet. So it was kind of underground. And I was like, you know, whatever I have to do, I have to be there. Like I, I have to get deep, deep healing. So I did that ceremony. Uh, My whole life kind of flipped upside down. And after that, I, right as my lease ended, I spent two and a half years traveling the world, trying different plant medicines. And my change was so great Mm -hmm. that I was like, I have to offer this to other people. I have to create the space for other people. And in my quest to create the space, I became certified in one of the medicines and I've just kept it going. Okay. That was a lot. (laughs) I know. That was was a lot. lot. But it was good. So you said you (laughs) had some healing to do. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you, that you're mind sharing, of course, that you feel you had to heal from? And then where did the acknowledgement come from? Because some people don't know that they need to heal. A lot of people feel like, you know, oh, life is fine. This is just who I am. It's genetics. You know, all the excuses that we use to kind of mask our traumas where did you say like where was it for you to say joe there's something inside of amanda going on that doesn't feel like the person i want to be i mean it was two things so the first thing i felt like in the relationship i was acting like it was all about me and his needs or desires really didn't matter Mm -hmm. and i felt like that was like terrible (laughs) like right in a relationship it's about you and me Mm -hmm. like we're relating like um you should go into it like how can I support you how can I love you and it was it was at some point it just became all about me and the second thing was there was um kind of an intense jealousy that I felt and I was like oh no this is completely unhealthy like I I have to heal this I have to fix this good so in the healing process, because it's never beautiful, it's always ugly. 
What were some of the things that you discovered about yourself? Who? Um, I don't know how to answer that question, honestly. Um, I really don't know how to answer that question, honestly, because I, I feel like the the things I discovered and saw about myself were what led me to the path of healing. So it was kind of the opposite way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It was like the other way around. Like, ooh, girl, we got to change this. So and as then, you're healing, you're noticing the things. Um, it's more like I notice the things and then I have to heal them. Gotcha. So it's like you notice. So if, say, for instance, you know, you say, you know what? I got a bad attitude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's heal this. Let's let's focus on this right now. Yeah. So you, you jump right into it. Yeah. There's no maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. It's like you, I, you jump, you dive straight into the healing process. Yes. Why? You have to. Why do you have to? Because some people don't believe they have to. Some people believe, oh, I mean, it'll, it'll happen on this time or, you know, life will take its course and it'll just get better. But you say you have to focus on it right then and there. Yeah, because trauma is mm-hmm. like an inverted pyramid. And I'm sure you've heard this before, but trauma is like an inverted pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say a traumatic event happened to you when you were five years old. And that's the bottom of the pyramid. You create associations based on that trauma and you start to build all these building blocks that are blocking you from experiencing greatness. And they're just creating all these blocks in you, Mm -hmm. right? So instead of focusing on the things that happen and kind of picking apart those blocks at the top, you have to go to the bottom. And once you remove that root thing, everything else will fall down. Mm. Like all the trauma associations that you have. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have to go to the root of it because it's causing havoc in your life. Right. And blocking you from experiencing life, you know, in its fullness. So what have, in your experience, um, what have you noticed Tackling trauma head on or tackling, you know, things going on head on. What has the the benefits been for you? I mean, there's been so many. It's like, you know, like trauma, like it's layers, Mm -hmm. layers and layers. So I would say a better relationship with myself, more confidence. And I'm always still growing in this area, but a better relationship with myself, more confidence, more increased ability to connect with my people. Mm -hmm. Um being a giver, being a lover, uh, increased income, increased peace, happiness, anything you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's no, like no. Candyland, really. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That's good. So growing up in Michigan, what was life like? Um, growing up in Michigan was cool. It was cool. You know, it's funny. I think like wherever all of us lived, mm-hmm. it's more like, OK, growing up in like the 80s and 90s, like what was that like, you know, yeah, like yeah, without yeah, social yeah. media, uh-huh. like for you, like what was that like? A lot, a lot peaceful, a lot less stress, because I feel like with social media, you have to keep up. You feel like you have to keep up, not with people per se, but just kind of keep up with just the daily postings of what's happening in your life. Because once somebody subscribes to your life, they want to know. It's like you're a walking YouTube channel in a sense on YouTube, on Instagram, and it's like you got to post because you either running a business like myself and yourself running a business, so we know hey, this is what's going on in my business, this is what's going on here. And prior to for me, just for social media, it was just like life just seemed just so much more regular, and life seemed more precious, and life seemed precious. more. 
it seemed more what's the word I'm looking for? Less I can't think of what I'm looking for, but I'm gonna stick with less it was more precious without social media. What does that mean to you? Precious. To me, am I being interviewed right yeah, now? Yeah, right now. In this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna know. No, it was just life just seemed more so much innocent, you know, where The speed of light is on social media. As soon as something happens, everyone goes straight to social media. No one goes to the source anymore. What's the source? The source is so like say for instance, we know a mutual friend named Ricky. Mm-hmm. Ricky passes away. My family has to find out on social media that Ricky wow. passed away. Oh wow. Versus, you know, wow. someone getting a phone call saying, Hey, Ricky passed away and we have a moment to have our moment instead of the whole world having a moment because on social media is just nothing but moments for us. It's only moments. Wow. Versus us knowing Ricky, this is a lifetime effect right. on us. So once it's going to pass on social media, everyone's going to go on about their lives. But for us, it's like we still have to live in memory of Ricky. Wow. So that's what, that's what life was for me without social media once upon a time. Wow. That's so real. And you know what? I think that's part of one of the things that I feel like uh, things that brought me back to, mm. like plant medicine has brought me mm-hmm. back to, like the sacredness and preciousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you still live in this world and you still have to play by right. these yeah, rules. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough balance. It's a very tough balance because you want to play by the rules to kind of keep up and, of course, be in the now of what's going on. But you also sometimes you want to be able to scale away. Like for me, I would love, I don't, I would love, I'm going to love when I become this digital nomad where I can just travel the world and have conversations like this with people from various cultures. Yeah. You know, get to know their culture and allow the world to get to know their culture. Because I feel like there's so much misunderstanding of each and every last one of our cultures nowadays. And we no longer get an opportunity to really get to know somebody besides what TV tells us, you know, the narrative that society plays. So if I get opportunity to travel the world and podcast and get to know somebody who's Hindu or get to know somebody who's a native African or get to know somebody who's native, you know, from Ireland or something like that and get this to like, you know, there's like this whole thing with Ukraine going on right now. America is telling us one story. Mm Mm-hmm. A true Ukrainian can tell us, yo, it's not that. And I would love to just, like, really just sit down and talk. Yo, what's, what was life like before this whole disaster that happened? How did this, how did it affect you? Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Totally. What about you? What about me? Life prior to social media. Oh, man. I think you were way more present. Mm-hmm. Like, way more present and in the moment. And mm-hmm. it's like. You know how they say anxiety is living in the future, depression is living in the past. I feel like people were just way more present and, like you said, more precious of, Mm -hmm. like, personal connections. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, so it's a blessing and I don't want to say it's a curse, but it's a blessing Mm -hmm. and a curse. Yeah, yeah. Like, it helps you connect with people Mm -hmm. you would have never connected to, but it's... Terrible. <laughs> no, yeah. it is. I, I agree. So, Amanda, who is she? You know what I think? 
because I don't know that anyone's really asked me this question. I think I'm just an infinite uh, discoverer, mm. just always like learning and trying to figure things out. And I think that's really like at the crux of who I am. An uh, infinite discoverer. Yeah, that's what popped up. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. So what do you Let's feel like deeper. you're always discovering? I definitely feel like I'm always discovering myself. I mean, how you were saying, you know, like, like, what are some of the things you discovered about yourself? There are things I discover about myself, like, ooh, girl, we got to change that every single day. Mm. But there's also things like, yo, you realize these patterns that you do, like, are actually really dope. So always discovering so you're discovering myself. the good and the bad. The good people. and the bad, yeah. I mean, because there's always light and dark in everybody, and you have to embrace both. I'm glad you said that, because a lot of people, when we're on these self-discovery things, I think we only look for the bad. yeah. We never look for the good of like, yo, yeah, you're really dope. Yeah. Or like, yo, yesterday you had a great day. Let's just dwell on yesterday for a little bit. Like the goodness of the day. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Why do you believe we as humans only dwell on the bad of who we are in self-discovery? Yo, I really don't know the answer to that. I have no idea what the answer is, but I know that we have a propensity to like dwell on the negative, even social media. Like um, there's this page I follow and I've noticed it myself. There's this page that I follow this. Uh, he's like a yogi, astrologer, something like that. And he even put a post up that said like, yo, I noticed kind of the more negative posts I get, get all these likes and mm -hmm. reactions and comments. But when I post love and light, it's like crickets a little bit. You know, I don't know what that is. Do you is. think on a social media standpoint that the algorithm has something to do with that? Um, or it's just that is that is it as we as humans, we dwell on negativity? I think both for sure. Hmm. I definitely think both. And I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> we can. We have time. Uh, no, I think it's both. I definitely think it's both. I think it's both. We'll stop there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you decided to learn more about plants, mm -hmm. the holistic side of medication, medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you took Western medication? Um. You know, it's interesting. Um, I took, I wasn't feeling well. I had a ceremony two weeks ago and I wasn't feeling well. And and when I say ceremony, I hosted a psilocybin microdosing ceremony in. A what? A psilocybin, like magic mushrooms. Okay, you're going to have to explain that a little later. Sure. Yep. Because you 100%. just lost people. The really? Whole... Yes. You know what magic mushrooms are, right? No. Shrooms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they're called psilocybin mushrooms. And I hosted a microdosing ceremony, which means we had everybody come together. They're taking like a subperceptual level of psychedelics, basically. And we're helping them meditate. We're helping them release trauma. It's like a really, really light ceremony. We're playing music. We're kind of getting in there on a light level. And it's great for people who want an introduction. And I did not feel well. I had a headache and I took Tylenol. This is kind of a, a offshoot story, but I took Tylenol before the ceremony and I, um, when I go into ceremony mode, 
I can tune into somebody and see like where on their body they have stuck energy or something might hurt or where they like, you know, kind of need to heal. And it happens as soon as I go into ceremony after the prayers are said when I'm saging everybody and I'm saging people. And most people have trauma in their body. Like it's just yeah. what it is. Um, I'm sage. That's not normal, by the way, but I'm saging. I mean, it shouldn't be normal. We oh, should be yeah. living. You know what I mean? Okay. But, um, but I'm saging everybody. And on the third person, I'm like, yo, I can't feel a thing. I'm like. All these niggas healed. I didn't mean to say that word. I'm like, is everybody, I'm like, is everybody just healed up in here? And I was like, what is going on? And then I was like, oh my god, I took Tylenol, and I completely forgot. Like they have, they have done studies where Tylenol blocks your empathy. Like it completely blocks your empathy. You're not able to connect to people. Really? And on an energetic level, same thing. Like I can't feel your aura. Like I'm completely blocked. I can't feel it. And I was like, what in the, w-? I was like, I will never do this again. So with you, I'm going to say on Tylenol, um, with you, with that Tylenol <laughs> in your system, <laughs> with the Tylenol in your system, it, block the energy that you would typically reciprocate from other people so how did you perform in that moment you know what i just i was like okay well what i need to do is first of all i was like counting down and i was like well i took the tylenol this it should be kind of wearing off but i just went in the back and i took my microdose sooner i had a a a co-facilitator so she took over i went in the back i took my microdose just so i could kind of get that in my system and start to feel people again and i absolutely did and it was amazing like it's amazing when you feel things and then someone verifies it for you after Mm. ceremony it's like the best thing so what do you feel that i'm feeling right now i don't know i didn't i didn't set it i didn't set up Ceremony, you know, I haven't connected. I haven't connected yet. How do we connect? <laughs> I don't know that we could do it here. Yeah, channel each other. <laughs> you, we can, we, <laughs> no, we can, we can take it offline okay. and I connect, but I can't, like, you know, tell So right explain now. the process of from you setting up this ceremony to being at the ceremony, what you can, because it's sacred, of course. Yeah. So what you can share, um, so people kind of get a little bit more, of get an to idea know idea of like, of you know, what, what it's like. Yeah. Is. Um, so the first thing that happens is you have a location for your ceremony and you kind of clear the space energetically. So you're saying prayers over the house or over the place before you even get there. When you get there, you're using uh, plants, herbs, whatever, to cleanse the space and like get rid of negative energies, stagnant energies, um, any spirits that might be lingering in there. Um, then you, you know, you have people come in <clears throat> and after they kind of get settled, you're setting the space. So you're talking to everybody about their intentions. Um, sometimes I have like a candle lit intention setting ceremony where people are writing their intentions on the candle and we let them burn like all weekend they write their intention on the candle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like a a a seven day candle you've seen those glass candles Mm -hmm. with a sharpie so they're writing their intention on the candle and this is for them to really connect to their intention and to energetically symbolize like hey this whole weekend this this is what's going on Mm mm-hmm Um, then you sit down, you're saying prayers, you open up the ceremony energetically, you protect the space energetically, and you could do this through certain types of plants. And then depending on what medicine you're taking, you'll, uh, 
well, for, typically you start with, I start mine with um, the, the medicine I was showing you off camera first called Hape or Rape. Um, then I might do a different one called Sananga. And some of these medicines are to open up your third eye so you can actually see visions or you can kind of see what's going on. And some of them are to cleanse negative energy or stagnant energy in your body so you can like receive the medicine. And after that, you're kind of taking your cup of medicine, you're laying down in a circle. And depending on the ceremony where it is, you either have like shaman or an ayahuascaro watchumero they're playing music the entire time or you know if it's kind of like a western thing we might be playing music over a speaker which isn't ideal but it's what happens and they sit down and however long it takes for them to feel the effects of the medicine depending on which one it is they might purge they might not purge and they feel the medicine and then they're kind of going through their ceremony so in these moments, mm -hmm. it's like this really deep, okay? Like spiritual deep, because there's certain religions that that would probably go against everything you're saying right now. Yes. And there's people who subscribe to Christianity, people who subscribe subscribe to Hinduism, people who subscribe to you know, uh, who's a Muslim, whatnot, mm -hmm. who would say, "Yo, this is witchcraft." What would you say, what do you say to that? First, I would ask them what is their definition of witchcraft? Mm. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and if they're saying like, okay, you're you know, like what is witchcraft? Like like I I want to know how do you define witchcraft? Um and then they would tell me, you know, whatever they think. And then yeah. I would kind of walk them through the process. Well, first of all, I'm not here to change. No, 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 mind. no, 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 no. And I know you know that, but yeah. I would let them know I'm not here to change anyone's mind. Like if you feel that that's what it is, then, you know, God bless you and, you know, carry on. Um, but for people who would say it's witchcraft, it's not. Mm -hmm. You're connecting with spirits of, because it is a spiritual thing. So that's like the first thing you you want to understand yeah these plants have consciousness they have spirits and they are here to help us the plants have consciousness absolutely what do you mean so the plants are conscious beings um even like if you walk into a plant store you'll hear the people describe it like oh my plant got really sick people meaning the ones who work there so they're already kind of personalizing these plants and i don't even know if they like know that they're doing it they're like oh my plant got really sad like when i you know took her away from the sun or she's acting moody you know for the last month because i haven't been watering her whatever um the plants have consciousness they're an energy just like we are um if you ever watch like a slow-mo video of plants and watch the way they crawl and respond to light and respond to water, it's, I don't want to say it's human-like, but it's, it's a consciousness. Mm. I never thought about it that way. I know when, and, um, as a, <clears throat> as a kid in science class, they would tell us like, yo, just speak to your plants. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a study where if you spoke positively to a plant, it thrived. Yeah. If you speak negatively towards the plant, it pretty much just died off. Yeah. So that's the conscience that you're talking about that yeah. the plants have is just like they're energetic beings just as we are. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. They're energetic beings. I always think about like the Venus flytrap. Like, yeah. That's what I was thinking of too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, 
even though we've seen on cartoons and stuff how they have so much life and personality, but if you actually look at actual real Venus flytrap, they move, they eat animals just like you know, like we do in a sense, though well, insects, should we say. Yeah. But they have a life inside of them. Just not the same way as we have life, you know, with a heartbeat and you know, blood flowing through the veins and whatnot, but wow. So they're energetic beings just like we are. They're energetic beings just like we are, and they have consciousness. Mm-hmm. So people who are like um, shamans who have been studying for 10, 20... Explain a shaman. So a shaman is someone who can basically connect. There's no technical definition, but mm-hmm. someone who can connect with the spirit world, like very easily. I hope it's giving you enough. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah, yeah. no. So uh, if I'm talking about shamans who also serve medicine, like an ayahuasquero shaman... Um, and ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Yep, ayahuasca is one of the Indian. sacred plant medicines. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what they have to do in order to like be able to serve this medicine mm-hmm. and help people is they have to diet with these plants. They have to diet with the plants. Yep, in what's called the dieta. So what this means is like they will take eight months. They will only have like plantains or something they can't have salt they can't have sugar they can really only have like super plain plants and that's to keep their energetic body really clear and they also diet with the medicine so they might take the medicine every day and what this does is they form a bond with the plants and they're able to hear the plants and the consciousness of the plants a lot clearer because they don't have you know they don't have a cheeseburger in their system or what have you and the reason they do this is because then when they go into ceremony with with people like us who are ready to heal something ayahuasca will tell them what to do and tell them how to help this person heal does that make sense mm-hmm. and they use different Icaros that's a type of song to help people during ceremony so the plant might tell them hey um, you need to play a song now that's for deep trauma releasing or hey you need to play a song now that's a lot lighter or you need to play a song that does this because the song is what helps move the energy in the body like you can't have a ceremony without song it's kind of intertwined that makes sense because you think about when we have events we can't have an event without music if you go exactly. to church you can have church without music if you go to you really can't go your day without well you probably can but Every day is a ceremony. Right. And within that ceremony, you have something that you're subscribing to, whether it be music, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a TED Talk or something like that. Yeah. So it's like those are the things that's getting us in the moods that we need to be in. So when they say the music, you know, hey, connect, utilize the music, the music helps us channel whatever it is that we're trying to release. Right. Exactly. Okay. 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 And them dieting with the plants, when mm-hmm. you take the plant in ceremony, the plant is able to tell them, the consciousness, the spirit of the plant is able to tell them, like, kind of exactly what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I always found it really interesting that, like, anytime I've sat in ceremony with, like, an ayahuasca or washimero, like, you know, someone who's been dieting with the plants for a long time, I'll be sitting thinking of something, and, like, they'll literally walk over, and they'll talk about exactly what's going on in my head I'm like, how in the heck did you know that it's because when you when when you take the medicine you take the medicine you take the medicine you're all connected mm-hmm. in that moment and the shaman can tune in to exactly what's going on that's why it's so important that like 
people choose who they sit in ceremony with responsibly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really, really, really big on that. So, in ceremony, say for instance, you know, we have a friend right here, Brandon. Mm-hmm. We go together to the ceremony. Should we or should we not sit together because we know each other and we, you know, we feel safe with one another, or should we say, you know what, I'm going to diversify and go meet somebody new and go sit with them instead? During the ceremonies, there's no talking allowed, so it's totally up to you if you want to um, sit by him or not. So you're kind of having separate ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, you're going to all be connected anyway, even if someone's on the other side of the room. So it's you can kind of sit wherever. So, shrooms. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm very curious um, about shrooms because I've... I've heard good things about them, and I've heard, like, some things about them that kind of make me a little nervous. Cool. What did you hear that made you nervous? They see you kind of freak out. You might freak out. I guess because you, you go into this space you've never been before. And when you get there, you don't know what's going to come out your mouth, what's going <laughs> to come out your body, like what's going to happen. That's what I've heard. You know, that's my ignorance to what I've heard of it. But you know a lot more about it. This is what you do. Explain shrooms to, of course, one me and then two, of course, the audience. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still like compared to these people who have been doing it for decades, mm-hmm. like I'm still a beginner. I just want to okay. put that out okay. there. Um, but it's psilocybin mushrooms that you take and they are a psychedelic medicine. Mm-hmm. And what happens is. When you take them, your mind goes from working on the default mode network, which is like the mode that kicks in in your brain when you're not focusing on a specific task. And it starts to, so since that is off, you're able to see kind of everything that's actually going on in your mind that you're not noticing when you're kind of on your default mode network, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so in these ceremonies, you can do anything from like, <clears throat> I keep going, look at that book bag on the left, keep going. Um, in these ceremonies, you can, you can have all different types of experiences mm-hmm. from like, oh, I just feel a little bit happy if you take like a small dose to a complete ego death, mm-hmm. which Um, It sounds like someone who explained it to you may have had that experience, like if you take a really high dose. Mm -hmm. And, well, first of all, let me say the most important thing is set and setting when you take any medicine. So like set is your mindset, your intentions, how you go into it, because the higher planes dominate lower planes and the human plane is higher than the plant plane. So when you tell the plants an intention, they go to work helping you out with that. If you don't set an intention and you're just at a party and like the music is loud and you're listening Mm. to like rap music that's talking about bees and hoes and all this stuff, like where do you think you're gonna go? You know, like what type of experience do you think that you're gonna have? Um, When, you know, you're so connected to everything. I don't remember what I was saying before that. So what do you feel has been the most beneficial experience for you? Like when you first got into this and you say, well, when, how'd you get into it? 
Um, like I said, that breakup, and mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? Let me go towards psychedelics because. So you just like, yo, I'm gonna. I had this breakup <laughs> with this guy. We broke up for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and you just automatically. You already knew about this prior to, or I had heard about it, but when I like was kind of going through my, it was like week one of the breakup. My coworker was like, hey. I had this experience on ayahuasca and I was like, oh my God, can I get, you know, the person's contact information? And it just so had, I emailed the, or she emailed him for me. You know, you got to like, it's like a drug dealer, you know, like you can't (laughs) contact him. He got to contact you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay. And he was like, yeah, I'm actually going to be there in two weeks, which is perfect because at that point I was on antidepressants Mm -hmm. and antidepressants and ayahuasca, you could, you could die. So he was like, get off of it today, mm-hmm. and then you can still make the ceremony. A huge blessing. It was literally perfect timing. Um, so what has been the biggest thing that I've learned? I think that first ceremony was probably the most impactful, as terrified as I was, because I think it kind of broke my consciousness of everything I thought was true wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And it just changed me. It, it kind of... Uh, what is that thing, you know, steered me in a, in a different yeah. direction. Mm-hmm. Got you. So you were on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. If you mind me asking what reason. Um, I think I was, I was, you know, I was going through that breakup. I mm-hmm. went to see a psychiatrist and she's like, oh my God, you're so depressed. Like you need to take this medication. And so I took the medication cause I really was like super sad. I was like a very like long term relationship. No. Oh. No, it was just that painful. You ever had a relationship that like may have been short, but it 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 fit your little trauma so perfectly that it was it was like a wound, like a, a huge mm-hmm. wound. Exactly. It, it was not long at all. Mm. But it But you all's bond or what you thought it was it was just like that connected. It was more the the trauma that he triggered in me. Mm. You know, so you had so what it was like, you know, there was an unresolved trauma within you. Exactly. You didn't know that the trauma was unresolved. Exactly. The breakup or whatever he did to you triggered that. The whole relationship, the whole relationship was a trigger. Was a tr- mm. The whole relationship was a trigger. And people, I don't think a lot of people really realize that relationships can be very traumatizing. Exactly. And it's like it's never. I mean, part in part the person, mm-hmm. but it's mostly a lot of times when you have those painful, painful experiences, it's triggering the unresolved trauma that you had in childhood, like yeah. literally perfectly. And that's why it was so painful. And I swore I was like, oh, I'm a G like I'm about to do these psychedelics. I'm about to be cool. It took me about four years to heal that four years four years i swore it was going to be one and done and i kept thinking that it was not it was like four years four years to heal one trauma i don't think it was one well, not trauma. one trauma but like so would you say like a, a lifetime of traumas that's what i think i think hit like that was so representative of so many things that I had been. And it was it's a huge blessing if you think about it. Yeah. God is like, okay, I'm going to deliver that one that'll hit trauma. One, two, three, four, five. We're just going to one fell swoop, get it all together. And yeah, it took me about four years. So in these years, in year one, what was trauma one that you were What was trauma one? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, 
God, there, they, I, I can't even like put that in what was trauma one. I can't even put it into one thing. I'll say one huge thing. And I've mm-hmm. like never said this publicly because it's embarrassing to me. Honestly, I might uh, even start crying. It probably won't be embarrassing. It's 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 really it embarrassing. Be, nothing's embarrassing to me. I feel like I'm, I'm sorry to say I don't want to feel like I'm like what's wrong. I don't feel like I'm taking away from what you experienced. But I realize like everything that we've gone through, somebody else has gone through it. And it's all, all right. a life experience. You're right. Okay, well, I might start crying. I've never, like, talked about this. Like, only my friends know. But um, the one thing that took me a good long minute to kind of get over was that he had a friend, and I thought he just really was actually secretly in love with her. And she had more curly European hair. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest wound to me. The biggest wound to me because I grew up in mostly an all-white environment. I didn't really have a black family to kind of, oh, you're beautiful, your hair is beautiful. My mom has more European curly hair and, you know, always talking about how nappy our hair is and how, you know, What's we might be happier, huh? What's your, black. Like, okay. Um, and, you know, how we might be happier, like if we had straight hair. And so, I hated my hair forever. I always felt like I was less than. I always felt like I was really ugly because I have, a, you know, more coarse texture hair. And just feeling ugly because mm-hmm. of that. And him having this person that I swore he was just in love with, that was hitting on, like, that trauma the deepest. Childhood. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the deep. And then, of course, society. Like, you know, good yeah. hair. But that's something every black girl experiences, though. Every black girl, I believe, in their lifetime experiences the issue with the hair is it straight enough is it long enough is it curly enough is it light enough is it dark enough is it red enough i think every black girl in america has faced that issue of the traumas of hair i believe there's a hair is a trauma because society says you know it's got to be straight that's why perms were so were so pushed probably when we were both kids like you know we've seen what's that just for me was mm-hmm. being pushed on all types of kids like because i want my hair straight like love the girls and that was like their their whole mm-hmm. slogan my hair straight like the other girls. And now that you say them, I can see how you can feel that that was embarrassing for you because that's a trauma for every black girl in America is their hair. Yeah. When it's, when the perm does it wrong or when they try a new style and it does it, it breaks their hair off. They got to cut it off. I have my girlfriend. She had to cut her hair off like really short and she cried her eyes out. Because she had to cut her hair because of what she, a situation she was going through in life. And with the traumas of hair, where do you feel like, what was the healing like for you when you, when you finally say, you know what, I've overcome this trauma of hair? What was that feeling like for you? Um, and I feel like this is just literally recent to mm. this year. Dead serious. Um and I feel like I still kind of have some thoughts sometimes, but it's not as strong. I guess just feeling, it's not even like a, oh my God, I'm liberated. It really just feels neutral, which I think is even better. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So yeah. For some, for me, it feels even better to just be neutral. Like I remember um, like commenting on a post you know our friend Christine, mm-hmm. Numbered Curls, where she put up a post that was like, embrace your hair, embrace your hair. And I was like, forgive my language, F that. I was like, you don't embrace things. 
when you tell someone to embrace something, it's like you're overcoming a negative. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm. Like, Break if if I if if I'm handicapped, right? I'm gonna take that like embrace it. You're you're this or like you know your body. Like let's say you gain fifty pounds, embrace it, embrace it, embrace it is normally a term that people use when they're telling someone to overcome the hatred or disdain mm. or dislike that they have for to something. stay in the place of just that moment of what's going on in a sense. It's more so when you tell someone to embrace thing, you're embrace something, you're starting from a place of less than. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Or so, someone tells someone embrace your dark skin. What is that telling you? It's not really meant to be loved, but I want you to love it. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if someone tells me to embrace my hair, I'm like, no, Christine, don't ever tell anybody that ever again. You don't tell them to embrace something because what you're saying is your hair is less than, but I want you to love it. Don't start from a position of less than. Love your hair. That's the word that you have to use. I'm like, Christine, you know, they say Jesus had hair like wool. And I'm like, if he was lucky enough to have hair like wool, why am I not? You have to start thinking no, like I actually got the goods and, and you know, there's a balance because you never want to act like you're better than anyone yeah. else. But I'm like, you have to start from a position of no, I was actually blessed to have this hair, not the other way around. Oh, I got to embrace this thing that ain't really good. That's mm, BS. Yeah. So I, I think like working through that and just having it be a neutral thing as opposed to like, oh, I love it. So I think that is kind of the balance for me. So. Um, what is that like for me? I guess when you look at it, it's liberating from the thoughts of negativity that I had of mm -hmm. myself. But that was major. I just want to say it was really major because, you know, a lot of black women had this. But like I even had a mom who was telling me this is bad, where yeah. I feel like other black women might have had a mom who actually had the same hair. And or that's, may embedded have, in your, you know? that's embedded in you from yeah. childhood to adulthood. Like, yeah. You can, every time you look at your hair, you look at stuff in the mirror, it's like, oh my gosh, I hate this. Or exactly. if your hair does like this, you know, because sometimes y'all, our hair does crazy things. Like, you know, I just had this widow's peak. And I'm like, yo, what the heck? And then, or sometimes my hair grows too long. It like, it pushes itself back and it curls up. It's like this big curl over here sometimes if it grows too long. So I can't, I have to like cut it when I need to like get rid of that little piece of it. So it's like, that's a part of you your entire life what's been embedded in you from your mom and that's a serious trauma that you have to get over yeah and then like i said going to school with all white kids and like nobody looking like you but but i am glad it's mm -hmm. you know we i might have things pop up situations pop up but it's like for the most part i'm kind of neutral on mm -hmm. it now so how do you tackle the things that come up in life that you've overcome in a serious way but of course they still come up because you don't never really just get over a trauma. You just learn to like be neutral. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. It's like you learn to be neutral. You learn to love yourself for what you are. But there's also still triggers, triggers. that come about. So how do you handle your triggers when they happen? I have a toolbox. Mm. Do you? Mm -hmm. What's your toolbox? I want to hear so about My yours. toolbox is I journal. Yeah. Or... I call my therapist on speed, when I have her on speed dial. Nice. Like, yo, like, I'm having a moment. Yeah. And we talk it through. And there's sometimes where she's, like, have this telepathic thing where she calls me. She's like, yo, there's something going on with you. Wow. Wow. And I'm like, there is. Can we talk right now? Or, you know, I'll call my best friend. Yeah. 
and she and I would talk um, for hours wow. about whatever's going on. Um, I love the hike. I love nature. So I would shut off everything wow. and go be one with nature wow. for some time. Like I love to, right now I'm doing this thing where I'm exploring Georgia, where I'm exploring like the different uh, scenes of nature, um, the different hiking trails. The next one I want to go to is called uh, Little Grand Canyon. It's like two hours away from here. And I'm going to, I have my phone on getting there. When I get there, I'm shutting the phone off and I'm just going to explore and just, that's my toolbox because that's where I feel safe. That's where I feel comfortable. That's where I feel re-energized and, you know, revitalized and stuff like that. And when the trauma comes up and you do those things, like, are you handling it in the moment or is it just like, hey, I'm just getting back to homeostasis, like, and then you still have to deal with the trauma? Like, it's like a combination of both. So it just kind of depends on what's been triggered. So for me, I have high functioning depression Mm -hmm. where I can function just fine, but I'm still depressed. And but when it hits, it hits like it hit for like a whole month. And that's the hardest part that I'm learning to deal with now is how to when I'm hit when when I'm hit for a month, how do I deal with it for that entire month? What do I do to still function and not be down and not be, you know, moping around? So I'm still trying to figure that part of it out. But for the most part, I would say I'm well balanced now that I know how to handle it. You know, it's like when it hits when something else gets triggered, I'm like, okay, what do we do? What do you? What am I feeling? I go with my feeling. My feeling may say journal about it. My feeling may say, "Hey, listen to some music." My feeling may say, "Hey, go take a walk, go exercise, go swimming." I love swimming too. So whatever I feel, I do in those moments instead of waiting. Oh wow! For it, because sometimes we are wasting. Oh, I ain't got time right now. Yeah. I go. I do things in the moment. Wow. I have a prayer schedule three times a day. Nice. My alarm goes off. 6.15, 1 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Nice. And at those moments, I do, hey, I'm talking to somebody. If I'm doing something, I'll stop what I'm doing. I got to go walk away because I'm trying to get my place, get myself to a space of sacredness where these moments are very sacred to me. They mean a lot. And that means people understand that that's Jovan's sacred time. So that's part of my toolbox as well is just doing things in the moment, you know, instead of waiting to do them. Because a lot of my life, I've waited to do so many things. And I realized, like, what if I just done in the moment, live life in the moment? And I feel like there's a lot of healing that happens in the moment as well, where you can strip yourself of all of what society says about you. Strip yourself of all of what your family has said about you. Strip yourself of everything that you said about yourself and really get yourself to a place where you can be vulnerable with yourself and really, like, dig deep. I've been doing, like, a lot of deep digging over the years. Dope. Where I'm looking at myself like, yo, why why are you like that? You know, what about that can you change? Or remember that moment you had when it was like a good moment and a good time? Like, what was that like? And then just think about reflecting on good times is in my toolbox too. That makes you feel good very well, like very great. Like, you know, if I had like this whole weight loss journey, it's up and down, up and down. And I remember like this morning, I was like, dang, I gained some weight. And I was a little down. I said, wait, remember, man, you, you've you done this before. You've lost lots of weight. And that was like, okay, don't trip. So it's like really reflecting on the good of every situation and not just the bad. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you. I love that you prioritize yourself. 
I have to because I have like there was some time in my life where I just never prioritized me. Wow. It was everything and everybody before me. Wow. And now it's like me comes first. First thing in the morning, like my phone. <laughs> my sister says y'all live on do not disturb, but I do. From nine thirty nine o'clock p.m. till nine thirty next day, you cannot reach me. So if there's an emergency, I'm not the person to call. That's dope. And I'm really learning to now where I can feel. When people call me, if they're what the need is, so if I feel like you need me, I, I like okay, and I can supply the need, I'm okay with it. But if you feel like you need me and the need is gonna drain me, I don't pick up. Oh, I love that. I love. And that. I've gotten okay with that, where no guilt resides inside wow. of me for not picking up my phone, for not showing up to functions anymore, places I don't want to be, or even if I get to a functional space, I'm like, you know what, I'm not feeling this anymore. I'll wow. just get up and just. Disappear. disappear the irish what is it the irish goodbye mm-hmm. have you heard that no the irish goodbye is like i think it's like one of two things like oh i gotta go to the bathroom and then you just never come back yep or it's just like <laughs> exactly like the homer simpson like yeah, in the like, bushes like and yep, you're gone. gone and i'm okay with, <laughs> okay with that and i've learned to like i've learned that my love for people was also a, a crutch to me because my love for people would also allow for me to forget about myself and my problems, what I have going on, be there for them, but not be there for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning to be okay with being alone. That's so major. Yeah. So that's, that's my toolbox. Yeah, I feel like people could take a lot from what you just said. Oh, they do. I mean, being in nature, prioritizing yourself. And what I heard also was like sacred, like mm-hmm. making your time actually sacred yeah. and, and important and i think just by putting that intention on it kind of uh helps with your self-love and helps with mm-hmm. your feeling of like i'm taking care of me like this yeah. is actually important mm-hmm. so what's some things inside of your toolbox so um definitely spending time in nature same as you um one thing is eft you've heard of that why i'm like drawing a blank um it's tapping like oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yep yep it's a huge one in my toolbox. Um, so for people do, who don't know, um, you're tapping on these meridian yeah. energetic mm-hmm. points and you're saying things as it comes up. So like if uh, someone pissed you off, then you're like talking about how badly someone pissed you off. And um, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, but law of attraction, like you shouldn't say these things. But it's like editing a document. Mm -hmm. You can't heal what you don't reveal. So like you have to pull the document up so you can edit it and then move on. Mm. Um, So like don't spend a lot of time on it. Right. Right. You know, like I remember one time I was in ceremony with my homeboy and I was talking about an ex and I was like, he's an asshole. And he was like. Uh, you shouldn't be saying that about these things. And I was like, no, you, you have to. You have to say it how it feels so you can get it out as opposed to like sugarcoating it because that's when you, Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah, You're yeah. not walking in front of that person and right. saying it. You're, yeah. you're talking about it and you got to pull out that, that toxic energy mm-hmm. outside yeah. of you. So um, anyway, so EFT, you, you, you do a round. You measure how you feel before you do it. You measure how you feel after. And the goal is just to get a little bit less. Take away the charge. Uh, so ES, EFT is one of my favorite tools. That one I usually use when there's anger or embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I notice that those are the two it works best on for me. Um, journaling, talking to my friends, and just spending time alone, like cooped up, you know, with a blanket, like basically cuddling myself. Those are my favorite tools. 
cuddling yourself. Oh, and of course, plant medicine. Like mm-hmm. if I if I have to figure something out that I can't figure out, I will um, do like a private mushroom ceremony with myself. So, what's your go-to med- plant medicine? Um, like the one that just works all the time. Well, um, I mean, it depends on what I'm like coming to them for, but I mean. And I don't want to say it like that. Like they're uh, not like, you know, like Tylenol pills. Cause like in the Western world, we think like, okay, I'm sick. I take something, I get better. But like, it's really putting a bandaid on it. Huh? It's putting a bandaid on it's it. It's putting a bandaid on it. Um, But like plant medicine, you develop a relationship with it and they kind of help you. It's like a re- more of a relationship based mm-hmm. thing. Um, What's my favorite? I mean, the one that works all the time. Listen, there's so many different things that I take just, different ones for. It varies on whatever the need is. It varies. And there's something for every need of the human body. Yes. And now we're talking about like non-psychedelic plants. Like, you know, there are plants that might heal your knee. There are plants that are good for hypertension. There are plants that are good for this. Absolutely. Um, so I don't have one that like works all the time, but mm-hmm. I can say I have, I do have favorites. So... Every now and again, I get in very bad anxiety. Mm-hmm. What's a good plant medicine for anxiety? Well, if we're talking about like in the moment, there could be something. But I think if you and I were talking off camera, I would be like, okay, let's talk about the root of this anxiety. And then it would be like, well, if you're open to sitting with uh, psilocybin mushrooms in a ceremony, like, Anxiety and depression are, are two of the things that people always say that psilocybin healed. Like for me, I got off of depression medication from psilocybin alone. Like I, I, I anyway, I went to Bali one time, like had psilocybin and it was like, oh, okay, I'm good. Like I got off my medication. I was good. Um, but I would say the recommendation would be like, if you're open to it, sit in ceremony figure out the source of the anxiety and what's going to happen is like they're going to rewire your neural pathways so the anxiety kind of doesn't you're not going on those same neural pathways and that would be my solution because other than that you're now replacing that western band-aid with a plant medicine band-aid and it's kind of not Mm. fair to you wow i never thought about that way yeah huh So you can still put a bandaid on it with plant medicine as well. Um, if if that's your intention, if that's yeah. how you use it, if you're it. just saying that I just I just need some, like a real quick fix, real quick, yeah, and then go to a plant medicine. Yeah, it's not really getting to the root of the issue. Yeah, if if it's kind of like if that's your intention, if mm-hmm. if that's your intention, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. But but going to the root is always like the and sometimes with some of these like there are which I'm really big on healing ancestral trauma. Some things come from your ancestors. Ooh, can we and talk they're about not it? Even, yeah, we can talk about it. Seemed like you had something to say. No, I had a question. So ancestral trauma. A lot of people don't believe that. We have traumas from way back that dates back beyond us. What are some things that you believe that we experience that are very traumatic because for some odd reason I've never had an experience with like a bad experience with a cop like nothing like I had one a lot back in New York City me and my cousin got pulled over because his car 
fit the description of a car that was in a some type of crime. And they went through the car, searched the car, everything. Um, a cousin, he was a little upset about it. I was like, yo, just chill out. But it wasn't like super. It, it could have went left, but it didn't. Because it's in New York City, you know, NYPD is all the way trash. But <laughs> they are. So when it comes to ancestral traumas, what are some things that you've noticed that are some traumas from my ancestors? I think it depends on the person mm-hmm. and like their specific lineage. But I can say one thing that's like a result of this ancestral trauma is internalized oppression and self-hatred. That's really rampant in our community. And I think it fuels a lot of our culture, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll stop there. But I have seen like in ceremony where people's ancestral trauma comes up, like in one of the last ceremonies I had, there was a girl who was who was reliving a moment where um, her ancestor was on a slave ship and her husband was thrown off as she was getting um, raped. And it's like, oh, this is where this trauma comes from. It gets this deep. Oh, I, yeah. My, my very first ceremony with ayahuasca, I was my ancestor who was a slave and she was about to get raped. And I felt the whips and the lashings as if somebody were actually hitting my body. If you were looking at me in ceremony, you actually saw my body jolt. It gets that deep because if you come to the plants and say, this is what I need to heal, Mm -hmm. I've gone to therapy, like why is this stuff not going away? Sometimes it isn't you and it is your ancestors. And that's why I say it's specific to each person. You know, an Asian person might not experience the same thing that, that, that my ancestors did. But yeah, and those like, that passes down on in your genes. And you might not know why you feel a certain way or, or, or fear a certain thing, but it's passed down. So in these moments, because now I'm thinking like the clinical side of me is thinking when you have these moments and like I said, you were feeling like, you know, the whips and the rape and everything like that. What is something one should do after these, this, that experience? Because that's heavy, very heavy to have to go back it's like you guys are time like your time we're trying time traveling what should someone do who's gone back they felt that they had that experience and then now they're back in real time but that thought of what happened is going through them like what what are some things they should do so i i and 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 the way it was framed it's not like you leave there and you're kind of re-traumatizing yourself Mm -hmm. um one so like when working with these medicines part one is sitting with the medicine and having your ceremony Mm -hmm. part two just as important is integration and integration is taking everything that you learned and integrating it into your normal life if you don't do that then your whole ceremony was a wash and you just did that like for absolutely nothing so um if if you can work on integration yourself you should be journaling or doing what you do, like go into nature and see how this situation is playing out in your life and then write out, how am I going to change this? What am I going to take from this learning? Like what behaviors do I see in myself that match that and how am I going to change them? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I want to go to a ceremony. You what? I want to go to a ceremony. I think you should. I don't mean to say that. I think <laughs> I can see how it would be beneficial. Absolutely. Now I'm like so serious. For sure. When, when's the next one? Uh, July 9th, July 23rd, and then October 6th. When, how but long I did, did last? say for like us and our friends, we we're going to have like a private one. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Whenever you said that one. So, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, how long do they last? It depends on what medicine you're doing. Um, Not like, is it like a day thing or a weekend thing? You know how they have retreats and like, oh, it's a three day retreat, you know, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or is it like, that's how it's going to be? It depends on which one. Like, July 9th that we're doing um, in Detroit, that's just a one night ceremony, but everything else is like, two to three nights but there are some like in peru that are like 14 day retreats with seven ceremonies and they go really really deep so it depends on you know which one you find so i have another question to the person who because there's like a little bit of fear in me Mm -hmm. of where this may take me and i'm not talking about like where you're gonna like yeah i'm talking about where it's gonna take me mentally spiritually and emotionally Mm-hmm. So, how do you prepare someone to release the fears of where it may take them before they get there? So, when they get there, they can have an open mind. Because I want to go, my intention would be, for me, it would say, I want to have an open mind throughout this entire experience. I want to be able to receive what's here for me to receive. I want to be so open to it to where there's nothing holding me from getting what I need to get from it. That's how open I want to be. But my fear is also that my own personal, my personal, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? My personal thoughts of things may put a hold on what I want to, what I'm, what I'm to receive. Is that making, am I making sense? I think what I'm hearing you say is you're afraid you won't be open. And if you're not open and if you're kind of judging it or scared, then yes. you won't receive the benefits. Correct. So I think the most important thing is to focus on what you want to receive mm-hmm. out of it and understand that fear isn't always like a bad thing. And it's totally natural when starting something brand new. So that's like before the ceremony. When Once you like start to be under the effects of the medicine, if you go to a place in that moment release because if you try to fight it it's like that's when people have like you know bad experiences but Mm. if you release and there's been countless stories of like as soon as you let go that's when you receive and and i'm actually specifically talking about like an ego death there's a thing called the ego death where like you might take the medicine it doesn't happen every time but you might take the medicine at a high dose you don't know who you are you don't know you don't you don't know anything like you don't know who you are. you don't know you're a human like you just have no concept of anything on this physical plane and it might be very scary very disorienting or you might have like a pretty hellish experience and like i said countless stories of as soon as you let go and release that is when you can feel peace that you've never felt before so my advice would be like one make sure you like do your research, watch other people's experiences and hear also what their benefit was. So you can kind of be like, okay, you know, if I want this, I got to go through this. Yeah. And then when you're there, um, 
kind of let go of control because ego deaths do happen. They're not pleasant. I just mm. had one a couple months ago. I It was one of the worst experiences of my life, but I've had peace since then that I've never felt before in my life. And so the benefit was the peace. Vast. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. It's it's not something where I could tell you, you'll be fine. You'll have, yeah, yeah, you yeah, might yeah. not be fine. Right, right, right. Your experience is your experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. But you got to go through it. You got to allow it to happen. You got to allow it to happen. What's in this bag? What's in this bag is um, hape and a self-applicator. And um, I can show it to you. Self-applicators are so beautiful. So this is a self-applicator. And this is hape or rape, and um, it comes from the Amazon. Uh, different blends come from different tribes in the Amazon, mm-hmm. and it's made of tobacco, but not like the type that we have here. It's a different type of tobacco, and each tribe has their own like secret blend that they kind of don't tell you everything that's in it, and it's prayed over by shamans, and. Um, it helps you open up your third eye. It helps you clear blocked energy and um, release negative energy. So people like in Peru, it, it'll be like all day. They're kind of uh, experiencing this plant medicine. So does it help with like productivity? I wouldn't say that. No, mm-hmm. it's more like a, a spiritual thing. Like it's it's kind of, you know, like I said, opening your third eye, cleansing yourself, clearing blocked energy. Um, Because sometimes if you take it like at a high dose, you might throw up. You might go number two. Yeah, if you if yeah if you take it at a high dose. What's a high dose? Um, it's you kind of like feel it out like more than a pea size. I know my trainer like like last year he gave me something. I definitely like I threw (laughs) I threw up all the spaghetti I'd had earlier. Yeah, it was really intense. But it doesn't have to be that intense. But a pea size is the recommended dosage. Um, yeah, about a pea size. How do you consume it? Um, you just uh, pour it out into your hand. You take the applicator. You kind of, uh, how do I say this? Flatten out any beads. You push it, and then you kind of blow, and it goes into that nostril. Or you can uh, give it to someone else to receive, and you do that through a pipe. So I would just kind of blow into your nose. I'm not going to say what I want to say. Huh? I'm not going to say what I want to say. It's like a shotgun. A shotgun? You ever smoke weed? Yeah. It's going to give you a shotgun? So it's not like that because I'm not, if I'm if I'm administering it to you, I don't take any. I just put oh. it in the pipe. And then I blow. Okay. Excuse my ignorance. Okay. So that one there is self-administered. You put it inside of there, you blow, it pretty much comes in the air, and then exactly. you inhale the application. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm interested. Yeah. Next time I see you, I will have my pipe. All right. Don't let me down. I'm like, I wonder if I can do it. I've seen people do it with a self-applicator on two people. I just don't, and I have two pipes, actually. I just don't know if I could do that. I don't know. Let's not test it out now. You don't want to test it? I'll <laughs> <laughs> be a scapegoat. <laughs> scapegoat. Like, I'm trying to visualize it. 
if I got <laughs> if I got really close to your face and I I blew into one part of it, I could probably. But how would you do it though? Because the way it's like, it's like the V. Like. I've seen it done. I've seen it done. Like, would you like take it sideways and maybe blow? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like that. And I'd be right there. Oh, it's in your nose. Yeah. Oh. I'm thinking it's like in your mouth, like. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Huh. Nope. So, like, when I do this, I'm blowing that way. So, you're blowing from your nose and you no. inhale. Blow so, you blow from your mouth and inhale into your nose. It just goes into your nose. You don't have a choice. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You done this before, Ramsey? No. Oh. <laughs> I see you holding out. <laughs> I've been holding out. Man, I wish I had my pipe. Like, I swore I brought it, but I didn't. Oh, well. I'll see you again Thursday. Exactly. And I'll serve it there. Okay. Man, this is very informative. Yeah. Very educational. Um, You definitely showed us another side of healing than what we know it to be. Because we feel like oh, healing is only one way. And which is like, you know, the traditional way of what we know it to be. But there's so many outlets to start a healing journey. And this is one of them. Yes. So I'm going to do a quick commercial real quick. Absolutely. And then I want you to close us out with something very powerful, very informative, or just something, just something. So that's Amanda that we just, you know, that's Amanda, like when she closed the episode, what she said was very touching and powerful. Okay. Think on it. Don't think too hard, though. I know I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is sponsored by the Embolden Institute is my space where I I have my own little piece of healing where I help you affirm yourself on a daily basis. I help you to send hope to yourself. So I text you every day, 365 days a a year. Text me 404-476-6780-404-476-6780. I'll send you daily affirmations. You text me the word affirmation or affirmations. For those of you, um, text me word that text me those words four zero four four seven six six seven eight zero or text me the word hope. I mean, sorry, heal to four zero four four seven six six seven eight zero, and I'll send you daily message of healing, how you can heal yourself, or just pretty much just words that just help you that touches and pierces your heart, that helps you to unrelease and unpack the things that you've been going through. So text me four zero four four seven six six seven eight zero, and I also do respond. So if you got a question or you just say, hey, man, you just want to say a thank you or you just want to just say, hey, how can I get somebody else signed up? Text me. I respond. We can talk. Chit chat. If it takes me a little while to get to you, just let me know. Just know that I'm getting there. All right. Amanda. Okay. <clears throat> so one thing I want to leave people with and um, is that whatever it is that God made you uniquely for to do whatever your purpose is do that and stick to that and no matter how crazy or outrageous it sounds or weird do that because people who are not attached to their purpose are like an unlit lamp Mm. and when you tap into what god gave you and god made you for you're tapping into an infinite stream of love and it is going to help you move through the difficult parts of your life if you know that you're doing what God intended you to do. And all day, every day, you get to like enjoy the heck out of your life. And if you don't do it, you're being very selfish because God gave you these gifts to serve others. 
And if you don't tap into them, you are being selfish with your gift. Can't close out no better than that. <laughs> Thanks, Jawan. Thank you, Amanda. For real. Appreciate it. For real. Thanks. That's another episode, guys. We're out. Peace.